I don't know that I can live up to all of those words, but uh, they are very much appreciated, most definitely. Sorry, got to make sure I do this. Worship team, what an incredible time today, amen? Leading us into God's presence, powerful, powerful worship, and uh, it reminds me of the Psalm 122 that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I love being in God's house. I love being with God's people. I love being in God's presence. There is no better place, there's no other place that I want to be than with God's people in his presence and worshiping the Lord. What a great day to be with Jesus. What a great day to be with you. And we got a full house today. We got everybody in the place. And I know you're going to be getting up to get, I think there were even some snacks in the back. I saw somebody dumping out a bunch of suckers in the back. I was like, those aren't just for the kids, I know. Uh, So I will probably see some of you later with some of those suckers in your hands. Obviously, I want to say a great big thank you to your pastor, your lead pastor. He is a great friend. He is a supporter. He is an encourager. He is an advice giver. He is a trusted confidant and my friend. To Pastor Dennis. So if you're out there watching Pastor Dennis, thank you uh, for uh, the invitation today. And obviously, Pastor Nick, he says we've known each other for a long time. We had the honor of being on staff together at a church uh, some two decades ago. He is really old. So, uh, <laughs> and then obviously, Pastor Jeremy, I'm known for a long time as well. He's a great friend. He's on our team for Youth Alive, working with student ministry here in our state. And uh, Pastor Jeremy, if you're out there watching, uh, man, it's, I'm sorry you're not here. But uh, thanks again for the opportunity. And shout out to Tanner. Tanner. Way to go. Um, We had a great conversation last night. Tanner was super pumped to be on this missions trip, and I'm proud of all of the students. I had an opportunity to challenge them last night uh, before uh, they took off and uh, on their missions trip. So they're en route on their way, and I just challenge you this week to pray for those students, pray that they have energy, Pray that God uses them and that they step out believing that God will do incredible things this week. So I just ask for you to pray and obviously for Pastor Dennis as well. And I wanted to just say thank you. Thank you to a church that supports camp. I believe in camp. I was called into ministry at camp. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. And I know that God does incredible things in the lives of our students and our children at camp. This past year was probably the most impactful, powerful year in all my years of camping programs that I've been able to be a part of for some 30 plus years. Glory. God is good. And I tell you this, I wanted, to, I, I, I wanted to bring a report to you today because of God's faithfulness. 
uh, and, and what has happened. And this is just youth camp, literally kids camp, just finished on Friday. They had four weeks of kids camp, but I wanted to share with you some things from youth camp this year. There were 103 first-time salvations at youth camp this year. I don't know if you're excited about that, but if there's anything to get excited about at camp, it's that. 103 students gave their heart to Jesus for the very first time. That's exciting. How awesome is that? Recommitments. Now, here's an even greater number. 673 students recommitted their life to camp this year. Praise God. 351 students this year were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, this number is powerful for me. 334 students were called into full-time vocational ministry. That is a powerful number. That is a powerful number. And 598 students were healed. Wow. Wow. And then we had over 1,500 students who had an encounter with Jesus. They marked on their... uh, their survey, I had an encounter with Jesus. And then obviously, I wanna share this with you as well because I know this is a missions-minded, a missions-giving, a missions-hearted church. Over $58,000 were raised this year uh, for Speed the Light and the Sumba House of Hope. And I know that Pastor Jeremy has a passion for Speed the Light. And to be able to help our students raise funds to empower missionaries, to spread the good news, to spread the gospel of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for a church that gives to missions. I am a missionary. I've been a missionary for over 20 years. And I just want to say thank you to those of you who give to missions. And I want you to understand this. I'm going to talk to the the kids just for a second about BGMC. Thank you for giving to BGMC. Boys and girls, thank you for what you give to missionaries like me. Because of what you do, I'm able to do what God has called me to do. So thankful for all of the the monies that you raise and give to BGMC. I'm a missionary And I want to just challenge you with a couple of thoughts this morning. My mission field is this. One in six people in our state, one in six people, are either employed by or go to public school. That is a powerful number. You're like, oh my goodness, how does he even know that? (laughs) He's so smart. (laughs) I use the Google. (laughs) It's that, it's that easy. We have about 6 million people in our state, and over a million people are students and teachers and administrators. So that is a powerful number. That is a huge mission field for us as the body of Christ to be able to, to share the hope of Jesus with. Youth Alive is a spirit-empowered bridge from the church to the school community. My heart is to raise up a generation of students to minister to those all around them. 
But I want you to understand something. If you are living, if you are breathing today, we are all called to be a light. Everybody in this room is called to be a light for Jesus. But I want you to understand something that campus ministry, ministry on the public school campus is crucial today because students, you realize this, and I'm gonna talk to the front row for a second. Students, your friends are in desperate need today. You're like, oh, really? No, duh. Thank you very much for telling me the obvious. Generation Z, which is our generation of students who are in public school today, they are full of anxiety. They feel hopeless. They feel alone. And there is only one answer for the emptiness that they feel inside that they need, and that answer is Jesus. What does Youth Alive do to reach the campus? What does Youth Alive do to reach the lost? Well, we know this. We have to pray to make an impact, to make a change. It's got to begin with prayer. We've got to pray for the public school campus. And listen, all you gotta do is turn on the news and you can find out really quickly we gotta pray. We gotta pray for the public schools. And we have to pray for those students who are called to be missionaries to those public schools. Then we gotta equip students to be missionaries to the public school. And I'm telling you today, there is no better thing that what we can equip students with than God's word. I hold in my hand a fire Bible. This is the Student Fire Bible Youth Alive Edition. And you're like, well, what's so important about the Fire Bible Youth Alive Edition? Why is it important? Why do we need to give God's word to students? Well, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Bible also tells us that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's no better resource. There's no better thing that I can put in the hands of students than a fire Bible. The the fire Bible is the first Pentecostal study Bible for students. We want to empower students with this Bible so that they will have, anybody in here, I know some of you are scholars in this room, but I sometimes will get a little lost in the scripture and you're like, I don't, I don't really understand what this means, so I have to do a little bit of research. And this Bible will help students be able to grasp and understand what the scripture is speaking to them. So that's why we wanna put it in their hands. And you're like, well, what? Let me, let me just give you a simple statistic. When a student reads the Bible four or more times a week, it's this. They are 228% more likely to open the door to Jesus. So we've got to, got to, got to get the Bible in the hands of our students. Then we have to partner together. We have to network together with other churches, with other ministries, releasing students to minister on their school campus. Then we have to send students out, helping students open the door to Jesus in the lives of their friends. And students, I want you to know today, I'm proud of you. I do what I do because I believe in you. I believe God wants to use you. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. God wants to use you in ways that maybe you've only dreamed about. But God wants to use you to impact your world. We have students today that are doing that. And God wants, you, wants to use you this year 
to impact your public school campus. I want you to uh, know that this youngster you see before you grew up in a small town. Any small town people in the house? Oh, yeah. I grew up in a small town of about 180. And uh, I went to a public school in that small town. And I graduated from that public school in the top 10 of my class. Thank you. Thank you. Hold on now. Hold on. You know what? You're not supposed to steal that from me. I had nine people in my class. And uh, so I, I will always be proud that I graduated top 10. I don't know what number I was. It doesn't really matter. We're not going to talk about that anymore. But at, I'm just telling you, the great thing about growing up in a small town is you know everybody. And I actually grew up five miles away from that small town in Taylor, Nebraska. And uh, it was the family farm that I grew up on. And I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. And uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day, if you were to watch television, um, there was this thing on the roof called an antenna. And so that's how we got our television. There weren't these cool dish things that they have now or cable or et cetera. And even on our devices, you know, we watch most of our media and I was at my house one day, and we were watching television, and my neighbor was over. My neighbor was over, and we were neighbors. We lived five miles apart, but our pastures touched, if you know what I'm saying. So we were neighbors, and he was over, and we were watching TV, and when you live out in the middle of nowhere, you don't get a lot of television. You get PBS. You get some Fred Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? And so I was watching some Fred Rogers with my friend, and I also grew up in church. I grew up in a church called Taylor Assembly of God. It was a huge, massive church of about 35 people. And uh, back in the day, we used to have evangelists that would come to the church. And they would come and, and they would have these services. And this evangelist came to my church and he had created a map of revelation. And this map, it was the whole of the entire platform, which was about a third of this platform, maybe less. And it, he had made it out of black felt with a lot of glitter and it, this map of Revelation had white horses, flaming swords, and I was 12 years old. And when this man, every night he would say, if the trumpet of the Lord sounds, you have got to call and hear the call of the Lord. If you don't hear it, you're going to be left behind. I'm going to work this microphone today, so just come on now. Hang in there with me. And I would, every night, I would run forward and go, I don't want to be left behind. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be left behind. I would run forward. I'd give my life to Jesus for seven nights. So this had happened very recently, and I'm watching. And Man, he's got a lot of stories. Yes, I'm just going to tell stories. 
And so I run to the front every night. I'm at my house watching Fred Rogers. Here we go. And I have to go ask my dad a question. This was before the age of cell phones. So I had to walk down to the garage where my dad was working on the John Deere tractor. Thank you. And I'm going, hey, dad. (laughs) Dad, dad, dad. Father? Dad? I can't find him. So I immediately run back up to the house, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> it's just gonna, I'm going to call my grandma. So I immediately call my grandmother. It's a Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock. What's she going to be doing? No worries. I'm calling grandma. Now, some of you, some of you youngsters, <laughs> You know, there was this thing we used to have attached to a wall, and it had a big, long cord on it. It was called a phone. And I had to go over to the phone, and I had to get on to the, and it was a dial phone. And my grandmother's number, it started with a nine. Oh, my goodness. It took forever to dial. So I finally got a hold And the phone began to ring. (sighs) Ring. And in that moment, I knew Grandma was going to answer the phone. Ring. My grandmother always said, you never answer the phone on the first ring, you answer it on the second ring. And so I knew in that moment my grandmother would answer the phone. Ring. Third ring. Ring, fourth ring, ring, fifth ring, ring, sixth ring. And my grandmother said, if they don't answer by the sixth ring, they're not home. And I knew my grandma wasn't home. I immediately went into full-blown, what you and I, some of us older folks know as rapture scare. (laughs) I am on the floor, barely able to breathe, and here's my friend. He's looking at me. He's giving me what... I only know to describe to you as the Spock eye. All right? You know what I'm, some of you older folks, you know what I'm saying? Spock eye, it's that one eyebrow that's up, the other one's down. He's giving me the Spock eye and going, are you okay? So I'm trying to, while I'm breathing, explain to him what's going on. My friend has never gone to church a day in his life. And I'm the trumpet of the Lord, flaming swords. And all of a sudden, in the background, you hear the screen door opens, and my father walks in. Knowing that I'm a rather emotional child, he gives the double eyebrow. And I hear him, and I pop up, and I'm like, <laughs> and my dad goes, everything okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just uh, practicing a play, Dad. <laughs> so he goes, gets his drink, and he walks out. And my friend says, hey, man, what just happened? And so I explained to him, listen, man, the book of Revelation, you know, it talked... I try. I'm 12 years old. I try. And he's like, uh, can we just go play? 
So he did. Now, I grew up, moved to Missouri, came to school, and I was at my dorm room. I got a phone call. I remember the phone call as if it happened yesterday. It said these words, my friend is dead. And in that moment, my heart broke, and I fell to the ground in a puddle of flesh and tears. See, remember that conversation that I had with him when I was 12? We never really had another conversation about God. I was 19. He was 20. I was devastated. Why do you tell us that story? I tell you that story because I was in Bible school studying to be a pastor, and my best friend I never had another conversation. And that weighs on me to, to, to this day, and I'm slightly north of 20, 30, slightly north of 50. I want to challenge you today to not miss a moment, not miss a conversation, not miss an opportunity that you can have with those that are around you. Don't let a moment slip through your fingers or pass you by. That you don't have an open the door to Jesus in those lives that are around you. I got married, I met my wife, and I moved to New Jersey and I love the game of basketball. I loved to play basketball when I was in high school, and then I played some in college. And I really enjoyed it, and I love watching the game. And while I was in New Jersey, there was someone playing for the New Jersey Nets. He was one of the tallest players to ever play. His name was Sean Bradley. And Sean Bradley was playing for the New Jersey Nets, and I was so excited to be able to go see him play, and my wife wanted to get me a birthday gift, and so she did. She got me a birthday gift, and she said, what game do you want to go see for the New Jersey Nets? And this was during the 90s. What game did I want to go see? I wanted them to watch the Bulls. I think we got a picture, possibly. Now, yes, I janked it from the internet. Yes, it says giddy images on it. That was probably, that's, that has very high potential to be the game I was at because uh, I'm telling you that Sean Bradley played for the New Jersey Nets for two years, and so um, I, I could have been possibly at that game. If you look all the way at the very top row, you might see, that's where I was. I was in the nosebleed section of Newlywed, and... The great thing, I was so excited to go to the game. I was going to get see, to see Michael Jordan, the best ever to play the game. We're not going to argue about it. We're not going to argue about it. He was the best, is the best. He's the GOAT. Nobody is better than Michael Jordan. I don't, want to, I don't care. And I'm just telling you, it was awesome. I was so excited. And here we go. And it was the B team for the Bulls that started. Really? 
So the Nets and the Bulls were playing two points, two points, four points, four points, six points, six points. And I'm like, what's going on? But then all of a sudden, you see in the very front row, people start standing up. The noise went from two to 11. All of a sudden, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, they got in the game. The man, he touched the ball. And in the next few minutes, he put up 45 points. It was amazing. Woo! And then halftime, and the man never played again. But when Michael Jordan got in the game, oh, he changed it. It was incredible. I'm going to challenge you with a thought today about a game changer. You, I can see it on your face. You're like, oh, he's going to talk about Jesus, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus. How about that? <laughs> talking in G, talking, talking, here we are in church talking about Jesus. Let's go. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 2, starting at verse number 1 through 12. Reading to you from the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, The news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Heavenly Father, bless your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I wanna point out that there were four guys who had a good friend who couldn't move. They heard that Jesus was gonna be in town. So they gathered him up. They called 911. They got the ambulance on the way. Only one problem. No ambulance service. No telephone service. Two problems. So they had to create some kind of a stretcher to get their friend to Jesus. And as they are drawing near to the place where Jesus is, the Bible tells us that the place was so crowded. It makes me think of Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, you say? There's a character in Charlie Brown. He had an aura about him. And 2,000 years ago, people were hygienically challenged. They didn't use underarm deodorant. They didn't have Axe spray. They didn't bathe on the regular. So there was an aura about the place, and that character's name was Pigpen. You already probably guess that. And they draw a little bit closer and they're trying to get into the place where Jesus is. And they ask, excuse me, we're trying to get through. 
and they are rejected at every turn. The Bible says they could not get into the building. And they have to get their friend into the place where Jesus is. Jesus changes the game. They're doing everything they can to get their friend into God's presence. Now, I grew up in Taylor Assembly of God. When I was in Sunday school, there was this magical board that they would have in the Sunday school class. It was green and fuzzy. And sometimes they would stick pictures up on it and they would magically stay up. And it was amazing. And I don't know if you remember those pictures at all, but they, the, the homes 2,000 years ago were always beige and they were about blocks with a door in the center, two windows on the side. That's what I remember. And so in my mind, I'm thinking of this building and they had to get their friend on the roof. We don't know. Maybe it was one, two, three. We don't know. But they got their friend on the roof. Some versions of the scripture tell us that the roof was made of clay. If you've ever worked with clay, you know when it dries, it's really hard. And so they have to create some kind of a way to get their friend to see Jesus. They of course, get their leather gloves, their red wing steel-toed boots, and they begin to dig a, wait, no red wing, no leather gloves. With their bare hands, they begin to make a hole in the roof. They're sweating. It's hot. They probably get a little bloody in the process, but they have to get their friend to see the game changer. In that moment, they begin to lower their friend down to see Jesus, and I'm sure in that moment, all of these people are, what is going on? We can't believe what is happening here. And everyone hushes, and they lower this paralyzed man down at the feet of Jesus. Now, in that moment, everyone's knowing something is about to happen. And they say to themselves, Jesus is going to heal him. Jesus is going to heal him. Jesus is going to heal him. And the crowd hushes. Jesus raises his hands. And he says the words that change the man's life forever. You see, everybody saw a paralyzed man. But Jesus looked beyond the obvious and saw a man that was paralyzed by sin. And he said the words, my son, your sins are forgiven. And he changed the man's life forever. I want you to notice in this story, you can go back and read it, but in Mark, in this chapter, watch this very carefully. Jesus knows what they are thinking, the Bible says. The religious men are thinking these thoughts, and Jesus knows what they are thinking. Who does he think he is? He can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Oh, hmm. 
Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said, so you will know, so you will know that I am who I say I am. Get up and walk. And I, I like to imagine that in that moment, you can almost hear the muscles beginning to grow on this man's legs. And as he stands up, maybe for the very first time ever in his life, and there's a look of a, amazement on his face, and we see it. It's palpable in the room where there was no way for him to walk in. There's a way for him to walk out. And they all praise God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Three things really quickly. The first one is this. These four men, they responded to a need. They were responding to the needs that were around them. Today, ladies and gentlemen, men and women, students, boys and girls, you know people that have needs. It's time that we respond. The second thing is this. We need to be people of resource. We need to be doing what it takes to share the hope of Jesus. You see, in the midst of it all, yes, they had to get through a crowd that wouldn't let them through. Yes, they had to get a man on a roof. They had to dig a hole through a roof. They had to be people of resource. They were also men of reason. You're like, what does that mean, men of reason? They realized that it was Jesus and only Jesus, the game changer, who could bring hope and change lives. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's the game changer. And today we all have people we know, maybe it's family, maybe it's a close friend that needs Jesus to change the game in their life. Maybe they're heartbroken. Maybe their home is broken. Maybe their lives are broken. And it's time today that we respond to the need. That we are people of resource and we do whatever it takes to share the hope of Jesus. And we also understand this. Ladies and gentlemen, men and women, boys and girls, understand this. You can't save anybody. It is impossible. There's only one who can save and his name, Jesus. It's a really simple message this morning. These four guys knew they couldn't do it on their own. And they knew the one who could change the game. I want you to go back today and read this scripture again. It's a really short 12 verses. I want you to notice something. We don't know their names. They didn't do it to become famous. They did it because they loved and they cared for their friend. I want you to know this today. Jesus 
wants to use you today. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're 99 or you're nine. Jesus wants to use you to change the game in somebody's life today. They say, but they're not going to come to church. What are you talking about? They'll never darken the door of a church. The Bible tells us when we ask Jesus to step into our life, he comes and lives within us. And wherever we are, there he is too. So maybe you're in the line at Walmart or Sam's, Costco, getting gas, at school, in the hallways. If Jesus lives in you, he's with you. Maybe you're at work, at home, on the phone, in your car. (laughs) Jesus is with us. Simply today, what are some needs that you can respond to in the lives of those that are around you? And what are you going to do to respond to those needs? Sometimes it's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a little blood, sweat, and tears to respond to those needs. But Jesus is calling us today. Jesus changed the game on the cross for us 2,000 years ago. He sacrificed himself. We might have to sacrifice a little time, a little finances, a little bit of effort. But Jesus wants to change the game in the lives of those around you today. And he wants to use you. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for this moment. I don't take this moment lightly because whenever I share the good news, the hope of Jesus, I have an opportunity to ask those around us if they know Jesus. I don't know all of you today, but I know the one who knows you. His name is Jesus, and he's here. And maybe today you're like this paralyzed man in the story. In your heart, you're bound up. You can't move. There's a darkness that has you gripped and you're broken, you're afraid. Today is the moment that Jesus wants to set you free. Maybe life has beaten you down. Relationships, things that you've done, said, things that you've allowed to come into your life, You are tied up. Jesus today wants to set you free. You're broken, heavy-hearted. You're full of fear. Today, Jesus wants to set you free. 
And it starts by this, by realizing that you need a Savior. That Savior, his name is Jesus. With no one looking around, if that's you today, I'm talking to two different sets of people today. Maybe you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you've been on a journey with Jesus, and today you realize and understand you are far from God. You have stepped off the path. You are away from Jesus, and today is the moment. Now is the time for you to get back in right relationship with him. Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven. All you need to do today is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's you today. Really simply, all I'm going to ask you to do is lift up your hand and say, Brad, that's me today. I need Jesus to step in. I see that hand, yes. Anyone else today? Yes, I see that hand. I see you. Yes, I see those hands. Anyone else today? Yes. Anyone else? We're not going to embarrass you today. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, young person. Yes, I see that hand, sir. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, thank you, thank you. Lots of hands today. Let's stand together. And I want us to pray together. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Nick to come. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray a simple prayer of faith. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is faithful. He is faithful. Let's do that today in this moment. It's not about the words that we speak, but it's about that we admit to the Lord that we have sin in our life. and We lay that sin down, and we turn away from that sin, and we turn toward Jesus. Heavenly Father, today, we come before you knowing, God, that we have failed. And God, we're a mess. And we need you today. God, I ask for your forgiveness. I confess to you today of the darkness, of the problems, the challenges, what the Bible calls sin in my life. I ask you today to forgive me of that sin and make me brand new today. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.